I'll enjoy it. I hope my voice holds out. They made me yell so much in the first message that my voice started disappearing, and I don't think I was yelling. People say I yell, but I don't think I yell. I try not to yell. Anybody here do the same thing when you preach? Try not to yell? It's hard to not get excited, isn't it? You know, when we have the message that we have, you know, it's an incredible message of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Um, anybody here ever felt like you've been on the hook for something, you know, and you got that feeling, you know, you're being accused of something, and all of a sudden it all works out, and you're not on the hook anymore? You know, well, I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ got us off the hook. That's what he did. Uh, we were all headed, those of us who have asked him into our heart, this is what we truly honestly believe, you guys, with all of our heart, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. He suffered in his own body the penalty that we all deserve and got us off the hook of eternity in hell and gave us the promise of eternal life. And, and uh, that's an incredible story. And I feel like it's easy for us to, as believers sometimes, if, though, if there are those of you in here who have been a, a believer for a long time or a short time, but I, I want to talk right now for a long time, but it's easy to get bored with it, isn't it? Have you ever been bored in your walk with the Lord? I think if we really would stop and reflect on the fact that he really did get us off the hook, maybe it would reinvigorate uh, our faith again and our thankfulness because it's so easy to become unthankful or to not be thankful anymore because it's been so long and it's not that big a deal anymore, you know? And uh, I, I really believe that Jesus Christ came to set captives free, to get people off the hook. And uh, that is the message that he gave Peter uh, in Matthew 16. And all of us, actually, all the disciples, when he, and I'm back on that again. I've been, every time I preach, the last two or three times has been on this portion of Scripture. Can't seem to just move on from it because there's all kinds of good nuggets in there. Um, but he asked his, uh, his disciples, who do people say that I am? And all kinds of people said all kinds of things, or at least that's what they were saying. And some say this and some say that. And that's kind of what's going on today, isn't it, around us? When you ask people who Jesus is, some is a good prophet or he's a teacher or he didn't exist at all or, you know, um, he... I, <laughs> The same story that was uh, circulating at the time of his resurrection. Well, he really married Mary Magdalene and had his own children and things like that. You know, that, that people think that that's something new. That's not. That's 2,000 years old. That's as old as the gospel itself. Um, that was made up, and it's even recorded in the Bible that that was made up in order for people to, because the, the religious leaders were worried that this movement that was started, uh, it would continue to grow, and they would lose their standing with people if this continues to thrive. So they made up stories, you know. But we need to understand that Jesus Christ came and got us off the hook, and what we deserved was eternity uh, in hell. Um, uh, God created us to love him, to have a relationship with him. Um, our forefathers uh, made some big mistakes, Adam and Eve in particular. Um, they disobeyed him, and because of that, sin entered into the human race. <clears throat> and all God ever wanted from the beginning was relationship. He wanted oneness with us. And ever since then, he's been, he's been uh, doing just that. He's been trying to get our attention. And here he is talking to the disciples and saying, who do people say that I am? And finally, Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said something I think is really astounding. I think that is one of the main things he wants us to take home today. Is He said, um, Blessed are you, because this was revealed to you through debate. You didn't watch YouTube and watch two 
people, an atheist and a Christian debate, and now you're convinced that Jesus... No, he said, this is revealed to you by the Father. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The way we believe is not necessarily because we get convinced. I think we become more and more convinced as we serve the Lord, because the Apostle Paul talked about that, that, that he was convinced of some things of God. But I, faith comes through... Uh, through God. It's, it's a miraculous event. He, he allows us to believe in Christ, and that's what he said to Peter. This wasn't revealed to you by man. This was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. Wow, that's really incredible. And he says, um, and, and on this confession, on this rock, he says, Peter, you're a rock. You're a little rock, and on this big rock of the confession of me being Christ, in other words, himself, he himself upon him, he will build his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, we've heard, I've shared a lot on this portion of Scripture. Um, but the word church, he said, I will build my church. He, said, he was talking about called out ones. I'm not sure that it was always, in, I don't think that it was intended to be institutionalized as we have it today. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying, I'm just saying that uh, perhaps we've become something slightly different than what he wants us to become which is called out ones. And that word ecclesia would have been, that is for church would have been used quite commonly for any group of people that were called into something. Okay? Uh, you know, maybe you had, a, I don't know, a bowling club and you were called out ones to go bowling. It, it was just a common word. And so when Jesus said that, it would have just been attached to that. It wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have had a picture of a building. When we hear the word church, most people, I mean, most of us know, well, it's us. We are the church. But a lot of people think of buildings in their minds. At least I do, you know, and, and uh, think of organized religion and things like that. But Jesus never intended to be quite that way, I don't think. I like how Eugene Peterson puts it in the uh, message version of the Bible <clears throat> and when he, he, he described these called out ones. He says, I will build my called out ones. And that has actually more of a personal effect to it too, doesn't it? I will build those who I've called out to be a part of my body. I will build them up, and I will build up them as a unit also. But listen to what, how, how Eugene Peterson um, describes the church in his translation. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Now, that says a lot of stuff. I mean, in, in either way you look at it, I, I read it first in the NIV, and uh, this is out of uh, the message version but a church filled with energy, so expansive with energy. I, I ask myself, is this the church today? Is this us? I think if we could have a goal, wouldn't, it be, wouldn't a great goal be for us to be filled with expansive energy? Well, can we just work that up? Can we just come here and say, well, you know, Pastor Kevin, we, he led us in a few cheers, and we all stood up with our pom-poms and our miniskirts on, and we have energy. No, and go home with energy. No, I don't think that happened that way. I think the energy that is talked about is the energy and the passion of the Holy Spirit, of the indwelling presence of Christ in each one of our lives. I know people who have, who have told me that they don't need to go to church because they are the church. They can stay home on Sunday morning and watch their favorite evangelist because they're the part, they are the church. And I'm going, well, yeah, that's, you, are, you, know, you are part of the church, but part is the problem here. Because we all, there are many parts and different functions of the church, right? Um, I mean, we can't lob off our arm, you know, and, 
and then go send it somewhere to go do something because it's part of the body. No, it, it will not do a thing if we sever our arm from our body. And sometimes we sever ourselves from the body, and I think sometimes we get hurt by the body. Sometimes the body gets some infections in it, and we turn because maybe something happened and somebody said something and, uh, and we don't want to go. Or maybe we just simply get bored because the body's boring. I don't want to be a part of a boring church. I don't want to have a boring life. How many of you guys, you just attain to boredom? You live for boredom. You know, I don't think any of us would want to admit that if we felt that way. I mean, I've been hurt in the past, and I've been, gone through times and where I want to be alone and isolated because I've been hurt, and I've got to kind of work through things. But if we stay there, boy, that's a dangerous place to stay, isn't it? Because then we just want to be alone. We, we don't want to participate in the ecclesia, in the church, in the called-out ones. And he's not only has he called us out from something, he's called us out from the world to be a body, to be a reflection of his glory here on earth. And yet, you know, he's done this uh, uh, in, in such miraculous ways because when we receive Christ, we, uh, we honestly believe as, as born-again Christians that we receive the presence of God. It comes in our life. That's what the Bible teaches us. That's what we live for. Um, and yet, we are still human, and we have the divine living within us. Uh, uh, Dr. Gordon Anderson used to talk about it as dirt and divinity working together. You ever failed? You ever made a mistake as a Christian? Jesus said, be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's how perfect we're supposed to be if we're going to be a Christian. We can't do that, can we? We have to admit to the fact that we can't be that way. But yet when we invite the divinity within us, then we have his perfection. That's what Jesus was getting at. The only way for us to be perfect is to have Jesus Christ's righteousness um, imputed to us or given to us. And that's what God sees when we've asked for forgiveness and we've received him as our Savior. We received God's righteousness, his perfection in our life. And so he came to earth to call out individuals into a movement. It's more of a movement than an institution that he wanted to start and that he did start. And for many years, that's exactly what it was until we started institutionalizing it. And then sometimes when we get so institutionalized, we don't even know what we stand for anymore. All it becomes is attendance and how long I've gone to Sunday school, and what kind of records I can keep, or, or whatever it might be. And that, to me, is, is boredom. That's religion. And Jesus came to do something so much more than that. He came to gather together. Catch this. I, I just, I don't know, I just must have got inspired or something, but I just wrote this paragraph. He, it's a collection of imperfect individuals from all different types of backgrounds, bringing their faults, their imperfections, their strengths, their experiences, among many other things, together to be unified. We all process things different. We process what other people say differently. Um, we, we go through the grit of our past experience and our past hurt, and sometimes we even come to a different conclusion than somebody standing right next to us as to what somebody else told us based on what I just said. And yet Jesus, in a miraculous way, has called us all to be together, to love one another in spite of our imperfections. We are a collective of not only all these other things, but of different desires, different dreams, different likes, diff different dislikes. 
And yet he brings us together and calls us his called out ones, out of the world and into a movement that is to be a force to bring the gates of hell to its knees, literally. It says, this church is to be so filled with such expansive energy that even the gates of hell would not stand against it. You know, I, I, many, many years ago when I would read that, I was thinking, man, you know, um, the, when, when hell attacks a church, it, it isn't going to win. No, it's the absolute opposite of that, you guys. We are called out from the world, from condemnation into forgiveness and into a, 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 the power of the Holy Spirit to go and storm the gates of hell. And the gates of hell will not stand against the advancement of the called out ones. And you and I are called out to take back ground that Satan has stolen from people all around us, both individually and as, group, as a group. And that is exciting to me. And the, the, the only thing that, that I get, or the, one of the major things that I get concerned about is if we would just get bored and lose our sense of purpose, individually and as a church I remember when God called us to plant Heartland many, many years ago. You guys have heard this story probably several times. And I, got, I went through this time where I was just freaked out before we got here. I was just really worried. And I, I'm, I'm saying, God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to plant this church? We don't, you know, I mean, it's just so free. We don't have anybody. And we were getting ready to resign the church that we were in, and we just didn't have anybody. I was freaked out, and, and I remember just feeling impressed that God said, you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. You just be obedient. You just be close to me, and I will do it. I, because that's what the scripture says. I will build my church. And I don't want to say that I heard this voice or anything. I had known this scripture, and as I was praying this prayer, that's why I think we need to be people of the word, you guys, because then the Holy Spirit can bring back the things that we've been taught. And so I think the Holy Spirit just brought this scripture back into my mind because it was a, wow, okay, you know what? It, it, it strangely brought peace in my life, and it shouldn't have because that's a supernatural work of God. When I was really freaked out, worried, um, almost getting to a level of anxiety that I'd never had before, uh, God came in with his truth and his word and just brought peace, and that's supernatural. And how many times do we look for supernatural help for our stress and our anxiety. I mean, sometimes we need physical help. Sometimes we need the help of somebody else. And sometimes we need to talk to other people. And, and you know what? Have you ever noticed sometimes just talking to somebody helps? Just telling people what you've been going through? So, and you find out, wait, wow, I'm not, even, I'm not alone in this. I got a brother, I got a sister that's going to help me through this. And, but yet, ultimately, God is there to help us in a supernatural way. And you know, Jesus, there's an aspect of this of the supernatural um, when it comes to the preaching of the word, speaking of the word, living of the word, that we cannot take any credit for because we cannot save anyone. Pastor Ethan last week uh, challenged us. He said something about like elephants reproduce elephants and, and, and donkeys reproduce donkeys. Christians should reproduce Christians. Churches should reproduce churches. And, and it's like, wow, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's really a big deal. But it can't happen unless God... We cannot reproduce other believers unless we understand it is the message. It is Jesus Christ who does it as we live our lives. And that's why I said uh, uh, in the first service, I said this uh, a number of times, I quit witnessing. I just want to be a witness. And since I decided to quit witnessing to people and be a witness, I've had more opportunities. 
just by just taking the pressure off, losing the anxiety of do I say something here or not, it just becomes natural when you take the pressure off and you ask God to just live through you. And i got a long ways to go. I've made some big mistakes in sharing with people. I can, I can get argumentative, anybody here? <laughs> you, know, uh, you, can, you can get like worked up and, and somebody's saying some really weird things. I, I got so upset not too long ago. Um, and Sarah and I were at the gym, I don't know, just a couple weeks ago, and I said, see that guy over there? He's really an idiot. And I'm like, I don't, I don't really say that much at all. You know, only like a couple times a week. No, I'm kidding. Um, but she goes, why? I said, well, I was sharing Christ with him in the locker room, and he was just, he got mad at me and rejected God. And, I mean, you know, the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So I felt justified in calling somebody that God loves an idiot because he got all freaked out and got angry, got mad at me. He went storming out of there even. And I think I maybe could have been more sensitive. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, no matter how hard you try, um, the message of the gospel is offensive. And it makes us want to clam up. Makes us sometimes want to not tell anybody, not, not open up. It, 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 and we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't allow it to do that to us. You know, and Jesus himself, when we think of this, as we share our faith, as we, as we understand that we're a part of the church, we should, I think maybe it would help us to maybe take one little piece of the price he paid. I'm just going to talk about one piece of the price that he paid for us. And I'm going to ask us to consider the value of each one in this room and the value of people who don't know Jesus. Okay? Just one little piece of it. Mark 15, 15. So Pilate, I'm in the middle of a narrative here, middle of a Bible story. They brought Jesus before Pilate for a trial and all this stuff, and, and all that had already gone on. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released to them Barabbas, the prisoner, the thief, the insurrectionist. But Jesus he scourged and delivered off to be crucified. You know, before I say what I really want to say here, I've got to say something else. Um, how often do we do that? We can sit here and be in judgment of Pilate for turning him over to be scourged or whipped and beaten because of the crowd. And how often times do we compromise the gospel because of the crowd around us, because of individuals, because we're worried about what somebody else is going to say? Or how often do we just give in to bad things when we have pressure, when peer pressure hits us. A group of people want us to do something that we know would not be pleasing to God, and we do it anyway because we're afraid of the crowd. So we're not a whole lot different than Pilate, if we're doing that. But let me read to you what happened right after this. He was delivered to be crucified. They would turn him over to uh, what they call Roman lictors. They had some specific tasks, and I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs as to what could very well have happened, what did happen. It'll, it'll explain to us the price that he paid for you and for me, and if you're listening and you don't know Jesus, he paid it for you too. But the Roman lictor would take Jesus and bind him to a stump, and then the, the flogging would ensue. It's interesting that lictor actually means to bind. 
The Romans would, according to custom, scourge a condemned criminal before he was put to death. The Roman scourge, also called the flagrum or the flagellum, was a short whip made of two or three leather or oxhide thongs or ropes connected to a handle. The leather thongs were knotted with a number of small pieces of metal, usually zinc and iron, attached at various intervals. Scourging would quickly remove the skin. According to history, the punishment of a slave was particularly, particularly dreadful. The leather was knotted with bones or heavy indented pieces of bronze to cut. Sometimes the Roman scourge contained a hook at the end and was given the terrifying name scorpion. The criminal was made to stoop, which would make deeper lashes from the shoulders to the waist. According to Jewish law, the number of stripes was 40 less 1. You can read that out of Deuteronomy 25.3. And the rabbis reckon that 168 actions were to be punished by the scourging before the judges. So there's 168 different sins you could commit that you could get this punishment for. Whoa! I mean, that's pretty serious, isn't it? Nevertheless, scourging among the Romans was more severe, was a more severe form of punishment, and there was no legal limit to the number of blows as, as with the Jews. Deep lacerations, torn flesh, exposed muscles, and excessive bleeding would leave the criminal half dead. Death was often the result of this cruel form of punishment, though it was necessary to keep the criminal alive to be brought to public subjugation on the cross. The centurion in charge would order the, quote, lictors to halt the flogging when the criminal was near death. Wow. So not only was the lictor to bind him and whip him, but they were to watch and make sure that they didn't do it too much because they needed to be crucified yet. And you don't want to kill him before that. They wanted them alive when they're hanging these people on the cross. This is a horrible, horrible punishment. And he did that for us. He did this. Now, can we allow that to sink in? Much like that, the hooks maybe into the back and into the muscles of Jesus. Let it sink into our hearts. And this was for me. This was for me. I deserve this. That's what the Bible teaches us. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon Him. And by His stripes, we are healed. It's incredible what He has gone through for us. So we could have eternal life. So the people around us that maybe irk us and annoy us when we share with them and they get under our skin, we need to understand Jesus was beaten for that person. Jesus loves him and it breaks his heart when somebody rejects him. I wonder how much it breaks his heart when we give in to peer pressure. It says, we all like sheep have gone astray, and each one of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We make up our own ways, our own plans, our own religions, our own beliefs, our own philosophies, and we forsake the truth of God because 
the one thing that we have a hard time grasping is this type of punishment, this type of a, of a senseless torturing of somebody for my place, and then I have to surrender my life to him. Well, I tell you what, somebody that loves me this much, I'm willing to send, surrender my life to. It says here in Isaiah 50, verse 6, I gave my back to those who beat me. I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. This is a horrific punishment. My face, he says, Jesus says, I did not shield from the hits and the spitting. I don't know about you, but that says something to me. He willfully did this. No one took his life. He, he willfully did this. Isaiah 52, 14 says, Just as there were many more who were appalled at him, at Jesus, at his appearance, because he was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form was marred beyond human likeness, so you could not even tell he was a man. That's what his torture was, what it looked like. For me? You did this for me? This is what I deserved, and you did it. You got me off the hook by doing this. Wow. You know, I think if we could all just sit and think about this for a while until it really, really sunk in and we begin to get his passion for the loss, I think it would change us. I think it would take the doldrums away, realizing that he went through such pain and punishment and torture for me that how can I possibly live a ho-hum, safe life? Was it Mark Batterson said? He didn't save us to make us safe. He saved us to make us dangerous. Dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Dangerous to the lost around us, to, to those who Satan has his grips on. The Bible does teach we're either in one camp or the other. There is no in-between. We're either going to heaven or going to hell. And that's why Jesus paid such a horrific price. Because he loves us and he doesn't want anybody to go there. So people say, well, how can a holy God send anybody to hell? Well, you read this. <laughs> and you say, he is a loving God. And he has invited anybody, whosoever will, to come to him. Wow. And when we think of this, how can we keep it to ourselves? How can we possibly keep it to ourselves? I wonder if that isn't the height of mockery and to say that Jesus wasted his time. He went through so much that I'm just going to live a life of boredom without purpose. I'm just going to get my money, pay my, pay my bills, save up for retirement, and then die one day. Wow. I think that's crazy. I think that's just insane when we think of what Jesus has done and we think of eternity in heaven. I think, I'm not saying that everybody should sell everything they have and, and, and move away or whatever. I'm just saying we should be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God and realize the price that he paid and make our decisions based on that. Decide where we go to school based on that. Is he calling you to be a veterinarian? Then go be a veterinarian, but do it for God. Do it so you can glorify God. You call to be a mechanic, go be a mechanic. Go to training, go be a mechanic. But do it for God. Be a man of, of integrity and do it for God. 
small engine repair man. Do it for God. I love, Clint, when I talked to you, you said, hey, man, I got to lead four people to Jesus this last week. I'm going, well, you got it. Jesus Christ paid the price for those people. Everybody we see, he paid the price. And he wants anyone who will, anyone who will come to him to, to come. But faith can't come without hearing. We're part of the called out ones. We're part of the chosen. We're a royal priesthood and he's called us to make a difference in people's lives. I don't know, I don't want to be boring. I don't want to be bored. And when we think of all the suffering, not only did he suffer to start the church, he suffers and he, it, for you. And he ministers to you in your suffering. I heard some testimonies, one in particular this morning, somebody who's suffering right now. And to know that Jesus ministers to you in your suffering is a big deal. It's something that we can put our trust in because he told us he would be with us. He told us he would never leave us. He would never forsake us. I don't understand how people can get through the trials of life without him. He is a rock. He's a fortress. I can trust in him. He's never let me down once. We had this prayer meeting thing at the presbyter's meeting here a few weeks ago, and there's one thing that I know I had to write. He's never let me down. All the trials, all the, all the hurts I've ever been through, he has always come through. Oh, yeah, I wish it was when I wanted him to, but you know what? He has always come through every single time, and we can trust in him because I know the price that he paid, and I know his word, and I know his promises, and sometimes I don't see them. So then I have to trust. I just have to trust. And he always comes through. I remember, you know, people, sometimes in suffering, we, we wonder where God is. I, 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 sometimes we, we think he's distant. Sometimes we think he doesn't care. It's not true. He is there. You, if you are a child of God, you have the very presence of God with you, and he ministers to you in your suffering. Yeah, you make mistakes. Yeah, you screwed up. And sometimes we create our own suffering, don't we? And you're, if you're a believer, he'll get you through that too. You just, if you lost your trust, and just choose to trust once again. I remember uh, meeting a uh, fellow who was suffering because of his faith in a different country. And he was here on, on, on uh, exchange. He was a do medical doctor. And I will never forget this man. Ever. I just received Christ a few year, a couple of years before, and I'm listening to a man who was beaten and persecuted for Jesus' sake. And while when his child was a baby, he and his wife and child were separated. The mom and him, his wife and him, were put in prison. The child was taken somewhere, and for 20 years, that's how they lived in prison, separated from each other because they would not recant their faith in Christ. And when he would talk, he would stop whenever he was going to say Jesus, and he would always, always, you guys, he would always have a hesitation and say, precious Jesus. He would slow his words down, and he would say it with such passion. He said, he was with me in that prison cell when they beat me, when they, he had this big scar, and it, they had his, his eyeball was popped out one time, and he got it back in, and he could miraculously still see, but he said he was with me through it all. He'd say, precious Jesus. See, he ministers to you in suffering. 
He really does. What are you going through today? What challenges do you have? He can help you too. If you're a child of God, he is with you. And he'll minister to you in your suffering. It doesn't mean we're not going to suffer. In Hebrews 11 and 12, Ethan had read uh, Hebrews 12, the, the, that was to focus on Jesus. He read that last week. The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him. Yeah. Who for the, get it? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. Scorning, I have to, what does this mean? He thought nothing of it. He thought very little of its shame. He was willing to be shamed for you and me. He was willing to take our shame and to hang naked on a cross in the hopes that you and I would respond. Wow. It's incredible. He said, let's fix our eyes on him. Let's consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that we don't grow weary and lose heart. Consider him. Consider what he went through so we don't grow weary, lose heart, get bored, and ultimately walk away. Ouch. And he ministers in us. In us. That's something different than to us even. He is within us. The very presence of Almighty God is within us. The Bible tells us angels long to look into these things. How, How can a holy God live in such a dirty vessel? There were sinners, and the Bible tells us that we got to be perfect. Jesus himself said in this, on the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I'm going, how? I remember before I said, how can I possibly be perfect? How can I possibly live up to that? I can't. There's no way. I didn't understand that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the dead, so I could ask him into my heart, so I could have his righteousness within me. He makes me perfect. And Sarah said, amen, because I certainly am not. In any way perfect. But he makes me perfect in God's eyes. And his presence is within me. Can I do anything good without him? Can, 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 can I be pure? No, but somebody in me is pure. Can I even be compassionate over the lostness of others or their situation? No, but somebody within me is can I, can I share the gospel ever with power? No, but somebody within me can. You see, we need to trust and depend upon him and only him and not take credit for ourselves because he is the one who works in us and, and, and we have his indwelling presence as a guiding force within us. Wow. And it's his, this indwelling force, this power of his presence that will minister through us to others. You know, we all have different kinds of gifts. We want to compare ourselves to that person. I'm no good because I can't do it. That person can do it. Well, we're all part of the body. We all have different parts. And it's, but it's the same spirit that is within us. And, and we should get in touch with that, those areas of passion and giftings that we have and allow that presence to flow through us to others. That's ultimately what we're called to do. Ethan said last week that different, different types, I, I think I might have mentioned earlier, that we should be producing different... I can't remember, I said it in this sermon. Elephants produce elephants. Giraffes produce giraffes. Christians should produce Christians. Churches should reproduce other churches. 
It's a natural order of things. But only through the Spirit of God can we do this. And we're challenging people to, to even pray for somebody, to lift up an individual. You know, um, maybe there's somebody in your life that needs Jesus. Maybe you have that atheist guy who gets all bent out of shape when you try to share Jesus with him. Maybe that's the person you're supposed to pray for. Our whole movement throughout the country is doing this each one reach one. And in the first week of May, we're challenging people to touch that person that we've been praying for all this time. To, to, to really to maybe take them out to eat or, or go take their garbage out for them or throw your garbage on their front lawn or something. I don't know. Touch them in some way during that first week of May because all, all of us are praying for the same thing and, and we're trying to get a hold of God. And it's one way that we, can, that, that we can reproduce, but we need to find ways to share our faith. And some of the reasons that I've discovered that I've heard over the years is we don't share our faith because we don't feel ready. I don't know. If I had you guys bow your head and close your eyes, raise your hand, there's probably many of us would say, I just don't feel ready um, to share my faith with anybody. And I'm saying, let me tell you something. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior and he has come into your life and you are now a born-again Christian, you are ready. You don't need to know all the answers. Take that burden off of yourself. You have the indwelling presence of the living God living within you, and he will work through you. And it's the power of the message. It's the power of the testimony of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection that brings the lost to saving faith. And that's what we need to share that. And we can share what he has done with us. And so if we don't feel ready, if we don't feel like we're educated enough or whatever, get that out of your mind. You are ready if you have the spirit of God within you. That doesn't mean that we can't grow, we can't learn, and we can't learn some new techniques. No, absolutely. We should, we should do that. Uh, sometimes we're afraid of what somebody's going to say. We don't have all the answers, like I said. You know? So just do it anyway. And then ask God. You know, Jesus said, he'll put words in your mouth. You know, sometimes we're afraid of what we'll say in return, that we'll mess it up somehow. You know, trust me, as, a, as a, I don't know if you think that way sometimes when you preach, Ethan, but sometimes I think, I don't want to mess it up somehow. I want the pure gospel. I want the word of God to be preached. I want, I want all of us to get that, but I know I'm, the dirt and divinity lives within this place, right here, dirt and divinity. Sometimes the dirt shows, sometimes the divinity shows, and I, I just want the divinity to show more. But it's his story within us that brings people to Christ. And so some other things that he was sharing last week. This is, this is important, I think, for all of us to... You know, the Dead Sea is dead because there's no outlet. There's no place for it to flow through and to, and, and to bring life and to cycle through. It's just dead. I think sometimes we as Christians are dead because we haven't taken any risks we haven't stepped out. We haven't put ourselves in a place where we absolutely must trust God. And so if you don't feel ready, you're ready. Trust me, you're ready. Go share your faith with somebody. If you don't feel ready, start praying for somebody. Build up enough courage to, to touch them somehow. And you don't have to preach to them to touch them. Sometimes we can open up an opportunity to share our story by just being a good person with that person. And that's what the first week of May will be all about. Just go be a good person with somebody. Invite them out, do something nice with them. Don't throw garbage on their front lawn. Unless he's really weird and he would, like, enjoy that. But I don't know who that would be. But, but we have other opportunities. 
that we're really excited about and we would like to ask you to pray with us about as we continue to go on. One of them is the community room out here. We were forbidden to say entryway last week. It's not the entryway, it's the community room. Or is it the entry? No, is that what you said? No, okay, it's the community room. You know, um, with the breakfast. We've been dreaming about breakfast, having breakfast here for a long time. Invite friends, say hey, you know. Uh, Want to come to church? Uh, we have a free breakfast. And it, it, you know, some of this is about moving the obstacles that people have from coming to church. Say, hey, you don't even need to come into the sanctuary. I'll sit out there with you. We'll eat breakfast together. Love to get the audio out there, and I mean the the video out there along with the audio, so so you could see it if you do bring a friend and say, hey, let's just sit there. We maybe discuss the subject of the sermon or whatever. But you don't have to go into the church part. You can just come to our community room. It'll be a safe place. You know, kind of like a, put your foot in the water a little bit. And, and uh, then obviously the, the first week of May. But another thing I'd like to ask that we would all be praying for in this whole area of finding a way to express our faith with others is Easter Sunday. We promise we will, we will share a clear, simple gospel message on Easter Sunday that if you would invite family or friends that don't know Jesus, that we will share. It'll be all about the simple message of being born again, of what Jesus Christ did. Invite friends to these things. We want to, we want to give you some opportunities that, you, that, that along with your individual sharing of your faith that you can do as a body also. But would you stand as we close? I don't see Sarah in here anywhere. I had her do a song last time at the end, but the, you, oh, it's nice to have you back up there, Sonny. I think you got a great voice. Another opportunity that we are having for us to take a risk. And there's some people in here that, that God is going to be speaking to you about our trip to Kenya that we're planning for in June. Okay? Um, we don't have all the details yet. We're going to be getting them more and more. But there's a missions trip that we're planning to go to Nemoland to the orphanage. And uh, do some ministry there. And, and Pastor Paul is uh, thinking, I think he's going to be coming, and where there's going to be tying in for very likely with some ministry opportunities with other churches and doing some open air preaching. I'm looking at somebody. Um, sometimes stepping out in faith, when it's God, it changes you. I could, we could share testimonies of over half of our team last time that God did something supernatural in their lives when we went. But pray about if you're called to go on this trip. There's a Chicago outreach. Look over here, I think, Chicago! Uh, there's a Chicago outreach. Pastor Cal will be leading this summer too. Maybe those are the areas that God is calling you to step out in your faith with. Sometimes to go somewhere else and share your faith with a stranger makes it easier to come back home and share it with somebody. And uh, there's the pink house on Friday nights. Talk to Sky about that. There's another opportunity to go and mix with uh, uh, foreign students and things. Talk to her about that. There are opportunities, you guys. If you don't know what to do, talk to us. We can send you in those directions. But I, I want to challenge you. Take a risk. Step out in faith. Get out of your comfort zone. God will meet you there. And your life will be changed and you'll you'll go from being bored i mean even the bills you have won't mean so much anymore i mean you'll still want to pay them and everything you know like that but it's like i'm not living for that anymore i'm living for the king of kings because he died for me and i have a purpose heavenly father as we close the service today 
I just pray, God, that your message would sink deep into our hearts, that we would understand that you saved us to make us dangerous to the kingdom of darkness, and that there are so many opportunities that right in front of us that you give to us to serve, children's ministry in the church, um, worship team, whatever it might be. For some, that's a huge step of faith, and I believe that you're calling some to these things. I pray, God, that, that it would happen, that we would finally say, instead of, oh, someday I'll do that, I, I pray today will be the day that people will say, I'm stepping out in that area. I'm going to go do this, or I'm going to share my faith with a friend, or I'm going to teach Sunday school, or I'm going to help serve breakfast, or whatever it might be. But help us, Lord God, to step out. Maybe it's to go to Kenya. Maybe it's to go to Chicago. Maybe it's to go to Pink House. Whatever it is, Lord, here I am. Send me because you did what you did. You suffered for me so I could have this life of purpose and forgiveness of sins and the promise of heaven. I just want others to share it. And so I pray, God, over the, uh, across this area, people who are maybe going through a hardship, ha, Lord, meet them. Your word tells us, Lord God, that you meet us in our hardships, in our suffering. You're there to minister to us. And sometimes we just need that. And that's okay. But to not to stay there isn't okay. Help us to get the comfort we need and to move on and to be dangerous. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this song that Ethan's going to lead us in. And if you have a prayer request, or you, uh, we're gonna, the prayer team will be up here, and uh, they will meet you here. And uh, maybe you're struggling. It's okay. If you just got somebody just shared a really deep struggle with me this morning that they're having, and uh, that's okay. That's who we are. We struggle sometimes. Maybe you need a brother or sister to pray with you. Maybe you're feeling like God's calling you, and you want confirmation, or you want to share that with one of these people to, to, to maybe coach you or send you in the right direction. Come up for just get prayer if you need it. But let's all sing this last song together as a prayer. And then Ethan, Pastor Ethan will dismiss us with a word of prayer. Thank you. Lord, I come, I confess,
so much, God, and we thank you for your presence here. We thank you, God, for all that you've done, God, for the, tr the tremendous things you put yourself through, God, the terrible things you put yourself through on our behalf. Father, God, we just honor you. We glorify you. We worship you, and we thank you. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you go with us, that you'd empower us, that you'd give us courage, God, and help us to be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for coming, everybody. Have a great week.